Well, as always, it's good to be with you this morning as we uh, open up God's Word together. We are not going to be in John this morning. I want us to uh, to think um, a little bit about God's uh, providence this morning, and then we'll return to John next week. Um, the doctrine of God's providence is a doctrine that has sustained and comforted Christians um, throughout um, the time of Christ building His church, even throughout the time of the Old Testament. And um, in times of difficulties and times of trial, um, it's good to be reminded of this. And so our church has had uh, just several back-to-back-to-back trials individuals who are going through difficult things. Whether we're thinking about uh, Sister Anne and the chemo that she's gone through and the radiation she's currently going through, or Sister Darlene and what she's getting ready to begin as far as her chemo goes, or Lisa and the family as she's undergone her um, leukemia struggles, um, or honestly, whatever the next trial is that's going to hit, and brothers and sisters, it is going to hit. In this world, you will have tribulation, but you can be of good cheer, Jesus says, because He has overcome the world. And the question is, how can we be of good cheer in the midst of these kinds of difficulties, in the midst of trials and tribulations, and... Um, I would um, recommend this morning that one of the ways, one of the avenues that we can get there is through an understanding of God's providence. Now, when we're talking about God's providence, really what we're talking about is God's sovereignty. This fact that that our God is in the heavens, Psalm 115, our, uh, verse 3, our God is in the heavens, He has done whatsoever He is pleased But it's not just God's sovereignty. Providence is a little bit of a different category. If not, we could just call it all God's sovereignty. Providence is the the assurance that God is sovereignly working the events of life for His glory and your good. So God is using His sovereignty in a wise, okay, in a good way as it relates to your life. So, you know, if you've been here over the years, that Psalm 23 is a, uh, is a psalm that I've returned to uh, for various things, and I want to return there this morning. The title of the message is going to be Providence and Psalm 23. Providence in Psalm 23. Really, if we were to think about what the uh, functional, practical application uh, for the doctrine of providence is, it's just simply this. You can trust God. Okay, I don't care what you have going on in your life. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you can trust God. You can trust His providence. You can trust His goodness. You can trust His wisdom. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. It's going to be a little bit of a different message. Um, 
So there's going to be uh, we're going to look at four different points or aspects of God's sovereignty out of Psalm 23. But to at the end of each point, we are going to reinforce that with a couple of verses from a hymn. Okay, so um, I will let you know when you need to pull your songbook back out. We're not singing entire hymns. We're going to sing a verse or two to reinforce each one. You know, there's a passage, It's I think it's in Ezra, where um talks about the people were going through some difficult things and the Lord spoke to them and gave them some direction. And then it's just one, it's a little phrase you would just pass over, but it says that at one point that, that the people then got together and they spoke good things to one another. You know, it's a blessing when we can speak good things to one another, isn't it? That's part of why I would like for us to reinforce these points with hymns. Part of what it means to be filled with the Spirit is that we sing. The passage says singing, making melody in your heart, but speaking to yourselves in psalms and songs and spiritual songs. That that word yourselves in that passage in Ephesians is not saying uh, like talk to yourself. It's not saying that I sing to myself. Yourselves, plural, means that we are speaking to one another in songs, hymns, spiritual songs. So we just finished with the song service. um, But as we look at these points, we will be intentionally speaking good things, speaking to ourselves in songs, hymns, spiritual songs. And then for those of you that keep a watch on the time, we shouldn't go over, okay? I've, I've, I've factored that in, so you can relax a little bit. If we do go over, it's God's providence, so. <laughs> All right, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Four things we can learn about God's providence from this psalm. This is not an exegetical sermon. There will be points that we leave out of the psalm. We're looking for four realities about God's providence. Okay, again, that is... This reality that God is orchestrating, God is working all things for His glory and our good according to His purposes and His decrees. Okay, So number one, when we think about providence, point number one out of Psalm 23.1, providence is a shepherd. Providence is a shepherd. Now, when we think about providence and we, when we think about 
um, you know, it's not it's not reserved just for Christians to say that um, that, you know, there's a purpose in things, that all things have a purpose. Now, Christians are really the only ones who know what they're talking about whenever we're talking about the purpose that lies behind all things. But but even the secular world tries to find purpose in difficulties, purpose in tragedies. We're not the only ones that acknowledge that good things can happen out of difficult situations. But whenever we talk about providence, providence is not the Christian version of luck. Providence is not the Christian version of chance. Providence is not some impersonal force that may or may not turn things a certain way. When we talk about the comfort of God's providence in the lives of His people, we're talking about the reality that we have a shepherd who is constantly caring for and tending for or tending to His people. It's just a different way of saying God is caring for you. And that's a full-time job on His part. Not that it's so much He can barely handle it, But that's what he's consumed with. That's what his attention is given to. Because that's what he's decided to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we mention this every time, but it's, you know, in the course of 400 years, we use words a little differently than they used to. It's not, I shall not have a want. It's really, I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd. And since He is, I have no unmet needs. Everything I need, everything that I actually need, I have. Because He's a good shepherd. He's a faithful shepherd. He's an attentive shepherd. And we'll look at that in just a minute. When we think about the Lord being our shepherd, we know because the New Testament draws a straight line, we know that we're talking about Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd. John 10.11, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives His life for the sheep. Verse 14, He says, I'm the Good Shepherd and know my sheep and am known of my sheep. So as we think about providence being a shepherd, God orchestrating, leading, caring, all these kinds of things. We're talking about the fact that we are being cared for by Jesus Christ. In our passage there in John 10, tells us that Christ as our shepherd has laid His life down for us. Fully committed. says that Christ as our shepherd knows us. Okay, the kind of care that we receive is an informed care. It's the kind of care that comes from someone who knows us as individuals, who cares for us in meaningful ways. And then he's also the kind of shepherd who has made himself known to us. Now, it is true that we do get a clearer understanding of God's providence in our life as we look back 
Okay, Many times we can see things much clearer as far as God's guiding hand. But that doesn't change the fact that we know that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Shepherd. And whether I can see it or not, He's caring for me right now. He's shepherding me right now. He's involved actively right now. So again, when we think about God's providence, we're, we're talking about His sovereign care over His people. So think about a passage like Psalm 31.15 where David says, My times are in His hands. My times are in His hands. Okay, this passage is not just saying, it's not saying that we all have an expiration date. It's not saying that at some point you're going to die. We all know that. It's not even saying that God is, is actively involved in that day, although He is. Notice the passage says, my times, plural. Okay, we're talking about seasons. It could be translated seasons. Every season of life that you and I live is in the hands of a faithful shepherd. That's what he's saying. There's not a second of a season of your life that falls outside of the hands of your heavenly Father who loves you, who cares for you, and who is shepherding you through every single one. That's really, I mean, we could, we could do a... Uh, we could do a message on Psalm 23 just about the seasons of life because it does a good job of walking us through some of those. But brothers and sisters, we go through mountaintops, we go through valleys, we go through good times, we go through hard times, we go through scary times, we go through weak... I mean, we have all kinds of seasons. And the point that's being made in Psalm 31.15, I mean, in particular, he's praying that the Lord would save him from his enemies, but... David's just saying this is no different than any other season as far as you're concerned. You're going to be the same faithful shepherd that you've always been. Or what about 1 Peter 5, 7? Just a, a, a very familiar passage in, in 1 Peter 5, 7 where we're encouraged to cast our cares or our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. The word there for He cares for us means that He's concerned over the things that we're concerned about. It means He's taken an interest in us. There's another aspect that Psalm 8.4, whenever the psalmist asks, who is man that He is mindful of us? The word mindful just means to attentively think about, to have a concern for. I don't know what you think about when you think about God in our day-to-day. -day. Obviously, God is outside of time, but I don't know what you think about when you think about God in our day-to-day. -day. But if you're not thinking about a shepherd who is constantly mindful for you and over the things that concern you, you're not thinking about the God of the Bible. 
We're, we're, we're talking about a personal God who's mindful, who's attentive. Psalm 8, 4 says that He visits. And the word there really is just He cares for His people. What about this reality out of Psalm 34? We're thinking about our shepherd who is constantly attentive, who's involved intricately in the seasons of our lives. Psalm 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. What does that mean? That means our shepherd's eyes and ears are on us around the clock. He sees you. Okay, and that just doesn't mean that he's aware of you. It means he's watching over you. His ears are open to your cry. He's attentive. We've talked before about the psalmist saying, the Lord inclined his ear to my cry. The picture being as if he were stooping over and, and putting a hand up. Going overboard to express this attentiveness of our shepherd. He's not just attentive. He's not just concerned. He's not just caring. But we have a shepherd who is thorough in his care. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. That's talking about thorough care giving what is needed when it's needed. This phrase is probably lifted from Deuteronomy chapter 2. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, it says, for the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness these forty years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Thorough in his care. Now, you go back and you read the wilderness wanderings, and it certainly seemed like they could have used a few more things. But God says, I was with you the whole time. I was providing for you the whole time. I was blessing your efforts the whole time. And during your wilderness wandering, as it related to me, you lacked nothing. You had everything you needed. One of the things that Jesus does in... Matthew 6 and Matthew 10, is he tries to really strengthen our confidence in this reality. When he addresses anxiety in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Consider the, the fowls of the air. They don't store up food, they, they, they don't, they're not active and and, and making this reserve, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. 
He cares for them. He provides. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, he says, consider the ravens. They're not worth that much. And yet not one of them falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. Speaking of involvement, he's involved in the intricate details here. And so the first thing, brothers and sisters, that we should know from Psalm 23 about God's providence is that providence is not blind chance. Providence is not good luck or good fortune. Providence is not some sort of everything worked out, we just don't know how. Providence is a shepherd who's intricately involved in your life, who's caring for you, who's providing for you. This is a helpful statement here about the nature of shepherding as it relates to this whole topic. The nature of the relationship as it relates to sheep and shepherding. The nature of the relationship is not that sheep must keep up with the shepherd. It's the other way around. The shepherd looks for, looks after his sheep. What does this mean? It means that God's providential care for you is not contingent on you keeping up. God's keeping up with you. He's caring for you. And He's shepherding you. Get your hymnals out. We're going to turn to 154. Let's encourage one another with this reality by seeing in verses 1 and 2. Okay, how firm a foundation, 154. Think about this at the the end of verse 1. Think about what more can He say than to you He has said. What more can he say? I mean, the hymn writer says he's, there's, there's nothing more to say that could give us any more hope, any more confidence, any much assurance, any more assurance than what he's already told us. Brothers and sisters, you have a shepherd and his name is Jesus Christ and he is constantly attentive to your needs. Brother Aaron, would you lead us in that?
Providence is a shepherd. Brothers and sisters, you can live off of that. Number two, out of verses two and three of Psalm 23, this is our shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We could say a lot about those two verses, but the overarching reality that we learn from these two verses is this providence leads. God is leading you. He's leading me. And He does that in providential ways. Now God can lead in a couple of different ways. Number one, God leads through His Word. Okay, He teaches us. He informs us. He builds these categories of thinking in our mind and and, uh, those sorts of things. But God also... We're thinking about our shepherd actively involved here. God also leads through providence. For example, I didn't end up leaving um, Smithville, Tennessee to move to Ripley, Mississippi because I had a chapter and verse. God's providence was involved in that. Decisions that you make in life that in your mind, seem inconsequential at the time that end up having huge ripple effects. Okay, This is the providential leading, the providential care of your shepherd. Essentially what we're saying here, whether we're talking about him leading us in a place to receive peace or to turn or well-worn paths of righteousness, whatever we're talking about, we're talking about the fact that God knows how to open and close the right doors at the right time to get you in the right place. Your shepherd knows exactly how to do that. He knows how to lead us to the place that's best for us. And many times those closed doors that nudge us in the right direction come with broken hearts. I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. As it relates to the providence of God in our lives, just because it feels bad doesn't mean it is bad. Many broken hearts have turned you in the right direction. Not by chance but by your shepherd who's loved you and cared for you. So think about this, and we've got some passages in Proverbs that we want to uh, want to consider here. Proverbs 16. You know, this principle in, in Proverbs 16 shows up several times in the book of, of Proverbs. And it's, it's funny, I say funny, Proverbs is, um, well, it's a book of wisdom. It's, it's a book that uh, where Solomon is trying to impart wisdom. And there's, there are these little pithy sayings that are meant to be portable truths for us and build in categories of discernment and those kinds of things. And, and, and one of the things I think that's, reinforced as we see these reminders 
of God's providence is part of what it means for you and I to exercise wisdom is to keep in mind that in our day to day, as we're exercising the wisdom that we have, we need to remember that God's overriding providence is guiding us in times of confusion and in times of confidence. Our trust is not in this this, uh, uh, hope or this expectation that we're going to make all the right decisions because we're going to know all the details and all the factors and all the this, that, and the other. That doesn't make us irresponsible. Our hope is that God is going to providentially lead us where we need to be, when we need to be there. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The preparations of the heart in man. That is your inner planning. As you're thinking through. As we're wrestling with what to do, where to go, how to do it. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. What's this talking about here? This is not a this is not a uh, it's not a hard statement. It doesn't mean every thought you've ever had necessarily. It doesn't mean that everything you've ever said necessarily, but it does mean this. God's providence is involved in the thought before it ever makes it out of your mouth. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Now, this is, this is a comforting reality. Your heart, that is, the thoughts and the intents of your heart that we read about in Hebrews 4, They devise your way. You can make your plans. We can do our homework, and we should. But after you've devised your way, it is the Lord who directs your steps. Proverbs chapter 19. Verse 21, Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Many devices in a man's heart, many intentions, many thoughts, many plans, many motives. Solomon tells us here, in spite of all that, it's the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. We're talking about God's decrees from all eternity. We're talking about God's purposes. Joseph told his brothers that you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of a people. 
Joseph's brothers never ever had in mind whenever they um, abused Joseph, whenever they uh, wanted to kill Joseph, whenever they wanted to get rid of Joseph, they never ever had it in their mind or in their hearts that we're going to send him ahead so that he can save a nation. That was nowhere near. Many devices in the heart of man, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. God is in the business of overriding our thoughts, our intentions, our motives to bring His counsels and His purposes to fruition. There is, brothers and sisters, a very firm and fixed confidence that we can have that after we have done our best to discern God's will for our lives, there's no way you can mess it up. Aren't you thankful for that? There's no way you can mess it up. You cannot bypass His purposes, His counsels. Now, when we're talking about this, I'm not saying that if you harden your heart against God and you ignore what He's saying as far as walking with Him or not, that you should take comfort in God's providence. If you've hardened your heart against God and you're not interested in what He has to say, there's no real reason to think He's your shepherd. The providence of God is only good news for the people of God. But if you're walking with Him, if you love Him, if you're seeking out His will and His direction, here's what the providence of God has to say to you. You can't miss it. God knows how to open and close the right doors at the right time to get you to the right place. Isn't that a wonderful reality? Open up your hymn books to number 450. We're going to sing verse 1. Number 450. By the way, as we're thinking about these things, I just want to reinforce, these are realities that can make up part of what it means for us to speak good things to one another. We don't know specifics about how things are going to turn out in any given situation. You know what we know? We know that Providence is a shepherd, and we know that our shepherd is committed to leading his people. Matter of fact, he's more committed to leading us than we are to following him. And he knows how to do it. Brother Aaron, would you start us out? 450, he leadeth me, verse 1.
Providence is a shepherd. Providence leads. Number three, out of Psalm 23, verses four and five. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Third reality here. Not only does providence lead, but God's providence accompanies your scariest trials. You cannot be removed from it. God's providential care accompanies your scariest trial. I mean, think about the two verses here. The valley of the shadow of death, a table in the presence of, that is, surrounded by my enemies, God's provisions making it to you. Well, let's think about this for a minute. Verse 4, at the take a few chunks here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through. Okay, the part of this phrase that really shapes our perspective is the word through. God is leading His people through trials. Okay, this means that there's perpetual movement. He's not leaving you there. In the previous verse, when it says that He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, these well-worn ruts, it could be translated. One of the things that we... Uh, we know just contextually and, and, and um, culturally rather about the Eastern shepherds is they, they never led their sheep from point A to point B in a straight line. That's, that's not the way that works. They, they take their sheep to where the food is, to the fields that are prepared or at least that can be prepared in, in, in verse 5. And it's, it's usually a, a roundabout path. Okay? Rather than from here to here, okay, it's usually like this. Okay? In other words, it's not the most efficient route. Well, God leads us on a roundabout path and many times, and in many seasons, that's going to include trials, difficulties. This passage tells us that each one of these trials, we've mentioned this already, but it's worth mentioning again, it's just a season. God's leading you through. He's, he's not dropping you off there. You can have confidence in this reality that even in the darkest places, even in the worst of it, He is leading you through 
the valley of the shadow of death. By the way, the, the valley of the shadow of death, it could also just be translated through deep darkness. It's just the dark periods of life. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. How does He do this? Where, where's the comfort? Where's the hope? It's not just, brothers and sisters, that He's leading us through. You'll notice the obvious comfort out of verse 4b in Psalm 23. When he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You're with me. Again, our shepherd does not drop us off. He walks with us. He is attentively caring for us. He is not leaving us. So here's a reality. Even when you can't see Him, He's caring for you. At any given moment, for those who are looking in faith to Christ, at any given moment, we could ask the question, where is God? You know what the answer is? He's with me. That's where He is. What, what is He doing? He's caring for me. That's what He's doing. Now, you may not be able to fill in all the details. You may not be able to fill in all the specifics. Maybe the, maybe the next question is, how can I trust Him? Well, it's because He's good. He's faithful. He's wise. And if we look back over our lives, He's left a track record. So, Isaiah 41. We go here often, and I think it's good that we do. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear... Thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Second part, don't be dismayed. It just means don't look around anxiously. Don't, don't get busy trying to predict problems. Don't get busy trying to live out an entire season in a span of ten minutes. You're not there yet. Be not dismayed. Why? Because I'm your God. Now, the rest of the passage is in the future tense. I will, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. The right hand of my righteousness, that just simply means with, 
with my strong hand that always does what's right. Okay, my sovereign hand that always does what's right. But this this passage is not just reserved for future tense. Now, we have to translate it that way grammatically, but we can apply it in the present. Okay, What What do I mean by that? Well, don't be afraid because I'm with you. Don't be dismayed because I'm your God. I am strengthening you. I am helping you and I am upholding you with my strong hand that only does what's right. Or we think about Isaiah 63, verse 9, where we're told that as it relates to God's people, in all their afflictions, He was afflicted. What does that mean? Well, there's a sense of compassion and sympathy that's brought there, but what it really means is that in all of their afflictions, He was there, right there with them. He was fulfilling the promise that He made to be with His people. So when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's with you. He prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. What does that mean? Well, it means that there's not an enemy on the planet that can keep God's provisions and God's blessings from getting to God's people. Isn't that a comfort to know? All the powers of hell could not keep God's blessings from getting to you. Because your shepherd knows how to shepherd. He knows how to care. He knows how to lead. And he's committed to being with you in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Back to number 154 in your hymnal. 154. We're going to sing verses 3 through 5. 154, verses 3 through 5. Brother Aaron. Deep is 
fiery trials, pathway shall I Providence is a shepherd. Providence leads. Providence accompanies your scariest trials. And then finally, out of verse 6, God's providence never, ever slows down. It never slows down. Look what he says here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David begins this verse with this word, surely, certainly. It's a statement of confidence. In a world of uncertainty, this is something you can be certain of. You may not know a lot, but you can know this. This is what David's saying here. Surely, certainly, goodness and mercy. We're talking about God's goodness and mercy. The word goodness just means His favor. It means His kindness, mercy. We're talking about God's covenant love, His covenant faithful loyalty to His people. So David says, I don't know, maybe I don't know a lot, but I know this. I'm confident of this, that God's kindness and God's merciful faithful, loyal, helpful love is going to follow me all the days of my life. Now, it's very helpful to think about the fact that what David is referring to as far as God's goodness and mercy, he is not talking about God's disposition. He's talking about God's actions. He's not saying that all the days of my life, God will feel good and merciful toward me. He's saying all the days of my life, God will act out of His goodness and mercy toward me. His goodness and mercy are going to follow me. And if you've heard me talk about this verse, then you know where I'm going next because the word follow is just such a rich word. It means to pursue. Other places it's translated to persecute or to hunt. David's saying of a certainty, this is what I know. If I don't know anything else, and and believer, you can know this too. If you don't know anything else, you can know this about today, tomorrow, and the next day. That God's goodness and mercy will violently hunt you down. Okay, it is in hot pursuit of you and you cannot outrun it. God's goodness and mercy will be on my trail, nipping at my heels until the day that I die. It's an absolute certainty. There's no question in David's mind and there should be no question in ours that God's kindness, 
His steadfast covenant love will violently hunt us down all the days of our life. Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. At the end of his life, this is how Jacob describes God. He says, the God which fed me or shepherded me all my life long unto this day. That's what Jacob had to say about God on his deathbed. Jacob was not a stranger to trials. He was not a stranger to difficulties. And yet when he looked back over his life, this is what he had to say about God. He fed me all my life long. He shepherded me all my life long. Up into up into this day. So what does this surety, this certainty, what do we do with it? Well, you could apply it in a couple of different ways, but here's one application that we certainly have to make. If we can say along with David that surely goodness and mercy is going to hunt me down, then here's a reality. We do not have to be afraid of what the future holds. We already know the most meaningful answer that we could possibly have to the question of, what if? What if this happens or that happens? Well, if it does, God's goodness and mercy is going to hunt you down. What if? Worst case scenario plays out. Well, then God's goodness and mercy is going to hunt you down. And it's going to hunt your family down as well. As a matter of fact, God's goodness and mercy has been hunting you and your loved ones who are believers in Christ. It's been hunting them down all their life. And so, what if? Well, the New Testament says this in just a little bit different language. Rather than goodness and mercy... will violently hunt you down all the days of your life. The New Testament says it this way. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, all these things, in the trials, in the distresses, in the persecutions, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, the sword, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And then he says, for I am persuaded. We could Substitute, surely, this is a statement of confidence, surely, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, providence, that is God exercising His sovereignty on behalf of His people's good for His glory to be put on display. Providence is a shepherd. Providence leads. Providence accompanies our scariest trials. And providence never slows down. And so let's close out our service. Please stand. Turn to 154 and we're going to sing verses 6 and 7. 154, verse 6 and 7. thank you that you have uh, communicated these comforting realities to us just throughout Scripture, that you have always cared for your people, that you are um, currently caring for your people, and that you will not forsake us in our time of need. And so I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would bless us based on these realities, to be able to trust you, to be able to uh, lay hold of the comfort that comes from um, embracing, believing truth about who you are and how you relate to your people. Um, We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.